0: If you have your Bible tonight, please turn to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews in chapter number 10, and I would like to preach tonight in this portion and passage of Scripture. Hebrews chapter number 10, I have several passages of Scripture tonight, and so we will read them in their entirety, and then we will make our prayer, and I would like to bring just a few basic thoughts from the Scriptures the Word of God tonight, nothing new, But hopefully it will be of help and blessing and encouragement to you tonight. If you have your Bible and you're able to stand, let's stand in reverence to the reading of the Scriptures in Hebrews chapter number 10. We'll begin reading in verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way which hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. But a certain fearful looking, for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall He be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, vengeance belongeth unto me and I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. Now I'm not preaching from this tonight, from this thought but notice in our text, the Bible talks of those that sin willfully, those that disregard the blood of Christ, those who disdain the church, and yet we find that God shall come, the Bible said, in verse number 29 of sore punishment. And he talks about they've trod underfoot the blood of Christ. And the Bible says in verse number 34, we know him that has said vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge not the wicked, not the ungodly, not the unrighteous, not the unholy, not the hell-bound sinner, but the Lord shall judge his people. If you want to make God mad tonight, disregard the shed blood of Christ spite to the grace of God and trample on his church. And God will bring vengeance. But notice, if you would please, in verse number 33, or verse number 32. But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partially while... You were made a gazing stock by the reproaches and afflictions and partially while you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion on me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence which have great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Let's pray. Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. We thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your divine presence and being with us already in the special music and the choir singing. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and kindness. And Lord, you're certainly better to us than we deserve. Tonight, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I'd ask you to bless the preaching, and Lord, may you give thy servant the power, the presence, the persuasion, the anointing, and that unction of the Holy Spirit that we so need and desire. I would ask you tonight that you'll give great liberty. I pray tonight if there's one sitting under the sound of our voice that is not saved, may the Holy Spirit of God awaken their conscience and draw their minds to the conclusion and the realization of their need for salvation and to put their trust in Christ. I would ask your blessings upon your people. There may be one sitting here tonight in our midst that is contemplated quitting and thrown in the town. I pray, Lord, tonight that the Holy Spirit of God would convict them. Draw them, I pray, back to a renewal to recommit themselves to you and to give their all to God. I'd ask you now that you'll be with our pastor. Lord, would you raise him up from his bed? God, would you put your healing hand upon him? Would you strengthen him and empower him? God, would you continue to use him in a great and mighty way? God, would you please continue to be the family in our church? May you supply every need. Lord, we love you, and we love this church who you loved and died on the cross and gave yourself for. We ask you tonight now for your blessings. For We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. I read several passages of scripture tonight to set the context for that which I would like to bring to us tonight. Some years ago, I was asked to preach in a pastor's fellowship and I chose this text as the Holy Spirit of God drew my heart to this passage of scripture. Tonight, I wanna draw our attention to one phrase that's found in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 35. As we look at this passage of scripture, Paul concludes this saying, and I read its context because there's three things tonight I would like to deal with in our text. And in verse number 35, the scripture says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. I want to speak on those uh, words, cast not away your confidence. We live in a day and age where people are throwing in the towel. Christians are quitting church, they're quitting prayer, they're quitting their Bible, they're quitting on God. Unfortunately, it's not only the people in the pews, but many times it's those in the pulpits. It seems like there's more in our personal prayer time and prayer lists that we pray for, uh, preachers and pastors and missionaries. More and more I'm having to strike through names of those that have lost their families and lost their ministries and lost their testimonies. And they seem to have just thrown in the towel and quit and some have disqualified themselves from the call of God. As we consider the matter, I want to say that we're living in a day where it seems like across the board and all across America and even around the world that the confidence of Christians, their confidence in God, their confidence in prayer, their confidence in the Bible, their confidence in the church, their confidence in the man of God, their very confidence in God seems to be lacking severely. And I want to say to us tonight that we are admonished in the Scripture not to cast away our confidence. I remember reading uh, years ago of a young man that was a young preacher and he went to an elderly preacher that was up in years and the man was sitting on his porch and the young preacher walked up and the elder preacher asked him to sit down and asked him what he could do for him and the young preacher said, you've been known for your power uh, that God has placed upon you, your preaching and the persuasion of the Holy Spirit of God and I want what you've got. And I ask you, uh, preacher friend, how can I get that which you have uh, in your life? And how can I have that fervency and that passion and the touch of God on my life? To which the elderly preacher uh, looked at the young man and he said to him, He said, A young man, I once sat here and I watched a dog come running by chasing a rabbit. And after a while they circled back around and there were a half a dozen or more dogs that was chasing the rabbit and they were all barking and and they were all wagging their tails ferociously and they were all tracking and following the dog that initially had went after that rabbit. But after a while they got weary and tired and they went home and uh, all of a sudden they came back around and the only one chasing the rabbit was the dog that started out with And the preacher, a young preacher boy looked at him. He said, well, preacher, it sounds like foolishness to me. It doesn't answer the question that I ask you. But out of curiosity, what happened to the other dogs? Why did they quit? And the preacher in his wisdom looked at him. He said, well, young man, all I can say is the only one that saw the rabbit was the lead dog. And I said that to say this. I believe that sometimes those that are supposedly on the bandwagon The reason they're throwing in the towel and quitting, they haven't seen firsthand the touch of God, the hand of God. They haven't seen the Lord move in the life of the Christians and the church and the services, and they're throwing in the towel for whatever reason. In our text, the scriptures uh, tell us that, he says, cast not away therefore your confidence. And notice the word therefore, this is a conclusive statement from what's been stated in our previous text. And the word cast away means to throw away or to discard. It means to shake it off and to get rid of it. And there are many that are trying to cast off or to shake off Christianity or their service of God. And the confidence is the feeling or a belief that can rely and a firm assurance on an individual to follow through and pursue their word and keep their promises. And my friend, there's no one that keeps promises like our Heavenly Father. Let me ask you that are here tonight, have you ever come to the conclusion of asking yourself these questions? Why do I do what I do? Why don't I just quit? I'm not making a difference anyway. Does anyone even care? Does anyone even know what I do behind the scenes? And somehow we uh, follow that with a struggle of the heart and the soul and the mind. And I know we do it for God, but yet at the same time, there is an issue with confidence in America. Somehow we have shifted our focus and our heart and our mind off of our Heavenly Father and we have put it on men. And may I say to you tonight, when confidence is put in man, somewhere along the way, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be led to disillusion and discouragement and despondency. The best of men is nothing but a man at best. May I say to you tonight that our greatest enemy sometimes is not the world. Our greatest enemy sometimes is not the government. Our greatest enemy sometimes is not the sinners that are held bound, and the ungodly and the unrighteous. As I mentioned earlier, sometime our greatest enemy becomes ourselves, and our flesh, and our conscience, and our mind, because we convince ourselves that we're wasting our time serving God. And the Scripture says, "Cast not away, therefore, your confidence." Our circumstances sometimes cause us to fret, cause us to be filled with anxiety. I know Christians tonight that have more anxiety than those who have never named the name of Christ. And I'm not implying everyone that has had issues and breakdowns and things of that nature are out of the will of God by no means. I know that there are uh, things with the body and chemical imbalances and things of that nature. I understand that, and I want. To, but I do want to say tonight that while there are legitimate physical ailments that sometimes beset us, many times Christians are discouraged, despondent because of our own minds and our own will. My most discouraging times and battles I've had in 42 years, of preaching has not been as a result of my ministry, but as a result of the battle of the mind. And several preachers are nodding their head in agreement tonight. May we draw back to put our confidence in Almighty God, the Bible, and I'll give you three passages of Scripture, and then we'll bring our message from our text. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 26, for the Lord shall be thy confidence. In Proverbs 14 and 26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. In Acts 28, 31, the Bible says, teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. Paul said in the book of Philippians chapter number 10 and verse number 13, that famous verse of scripture, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. And My friend, we can have confidence tonight. It is not a sin to have confidence as long as our confidence is in God and God's holy word and his divine book tonight. I remember when I was first called to preach, all of my sometimes youthful foolishness, I was ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. As one preacher said, I was bold as a lion and I was confident enough in God, I believe I would have been willing to swung out over the pits of hell on a wet noodle. But as I grew a little older and a little more experienced in ministry, sometimes that confidence begins to wane. And sometimes I look back and some of the greatest things that God has allowed me to accomplish has been in simple childlike faith to step out and just say, God promised it, and I'm gonna step out by faith, and I'm gonna put him to the test, and I'm gonna hold to his word and let God give the results. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 14, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. People are casting away their confidence. And in our text, there's three things that we're challenged not to cast away our confidence in. Notice now in verse number 19. Having therefore brethren boldness, watch this, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he talks about having a high priest. And he talks, if you read in its context, and I'll not take time to go through all of it tonight for the sake of time. But he is telling us not to cast away our confidence in prayer. And you know, when God's people cast away their confidence in prayer and they quit praying, you can always tell it. The great pianist Ruben Stein was asked one time about his piano practice. He said, if I miss one day of practice, I know it. If I miss two days of practice, my family know it. But if I miss three days of practice, the whole world knows it. And it seems to be that way with a matter of prayer. We might miss a little here and a little there along life's journey, but my friend, I say to you that some people have come to the place, they have cast aside or shook off prayer with everything they have. They have violently and vehemently ran from prayer. And some sitting on the sound of my voice tonight, it might have been days or weeks, and some, it might have been years since you prayed and got in that secret prayer closet and poured your heart out to Almighty God. You have won. Your confidence in God to answer your prayer. I believe part of why America is where we are tonight is God's people have shaken off, they have cast off their prayer life. My friend, when we lose our confidence and our boldness to enter into the very presence of God, according to verse number 19, we lose our confidence. By the way, when we do not pray, we're saying we do not need God, we are self-sufficient. Therefore, we have lost our confidence that God hears and answers prayer. In the Gospel of Mark chapter number one, the Bible tells us in verse number 35 that while it was great early in the morning that Jesus rose up and he departed and went, the Bible says, into a solitary place and there he prayed. And I know I've shared it before, but the word into is a preposition. It literally means to go beyond. It means to shut everything out. And literally what it means as Jesus in the midst of all the cares of ministry and the disciples and the training them to be disciples and indoctrinating them with the truth, it means that he departed and he found a solitary place. He went into that solitary place. In other words, he passed behind the veil. Somehow he was able to close out all of the cares of the earthly ministry. Somehow he was able to put aside all the needs of the people that needed to be healed and the people that needed the gospel and the miracles that needed to be formed. Somehow Jesus was able to go behind the veil and he entered into a solitary place. My friend may I say to you if you've ever been in that solitary place if you've ever gone behind that veil where God has met with you you'll have a desire to go back again and again and again and again and again. I remember sharing the testimony but it's on my heart tonight. I remember I was getting ready to preach in a meeting, a preacher's meeting. As I got ready to go, I wanted to go into Miss Ellis's office. I needed to ask her something, and when I walked into the door, I'm talking, and all of a sudden, I realized she was not there. And as I walked around the corner of her desk, there's a little storage area behind her office. I thought maybe she was in that area of their office, and as I walked around the desk out of my peripheral vision, I saw her on her knees and she was whispering before God, God, would you bless him? Lord, would you fill him? God, would you empower him with your presence? God, would you meet with us today? And God, would you blow upon the services and let the power of the Holy Spirit of God rest upon him today? And I knew she was praying for me and I I was there and I had been talking out loud and she never knew I was there. She never knew I entered into her room. I tiptoed back out of that door, shut the door behind me, went to my office and bowed on my knees and poured my heart out to God and said, God, would you hear and answer her prayer? I need it. She had entered behind the veil. She had been able to put out the cares of this world. She had gone beyond the necessity of her own need. Somehow she was so in tune with God, she never even knew that I was in her office. And my friend, that's what it means to go behind the veil. That's what it means center into the throne of God with boldness. I remember as a young Christian bowing on my knees and with more than one occasion and saying, Lord, would you, and I would ask him for a specific request. And time and time and time again, God Would hear and answer my prayer before ever I got off of my knees. I don't think you have to spend a night in prayer, but let me ask you have you ever spent a night in prayer? Have you ever spent an hour in prayer? Have you ever spent a half an hour in prayer? How about 15 minutes? How about five? We cast off our confidence in prayer. One of our missionaries, Michael Adams, was down in St. Lucia. They were making preparation to go into the schools and the prisons. I received a phone call. Brother Adams says, Brother Ellis, I could have told you when I got back to America, but I couldn't wait. Said, we got on our knees this morning and Brother Thomas Francis, one of our missionaries to St. Lucia, And said, we began to pray. He said, I wish I could have recorded it or I wish you could have been there. Said, we started praying and Brother Francis started weeping before God. He said, all I can say is God showed up. He said, he prayed for you. Prayed for God to use you and empower you. I needed that that morning. I wasn't going to throw in the towel, but I needed that that morning. And I got off that phone and I said, Lord, I'm ready to go. (laughs) There's something about prayer. And you know that encourages our preacher, our pastor when we tell him, I prayed for you and we really did. And when he stands to preach and the power of the Holy Spirit falls upon him and God touches him and anoints him and uses him, it's because of a holy and a consecrated life. I understand that. And a study of the man of God, the study of the scriptures and been sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. But I'll tell you what else it's a result of. It's a result of the church and God's people praying for the hand of God to be on our preacher. lose our confidence when we don't pray. Secondly, tonight, some people lose their confidence to the point that they doubt their salvation. Notice in verse number 23, "Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised." When I first got saved, I honestly I didn't doubt my salvation that much. I My life changed so dramatically when the Holy Spirit of God took up residence, I really never doubted my salvation. I ran from the call of God for some time, and it wasn't because I didn't desire to preach, it's just because I didn't think God could use somebody with a lifestyle that I'd lived. But some go to the place that they lose their confidence or their profession of faith. They lose it to the point that they have no confidence and they struggle constantly with their eternal security and their salvation. They constantly struggle because of sin in their life and a lack of commitment and they try to shake off their confidence. I remember a guy by the name of Roger. I led him to the Lord in my office at the Wyoming State Penitentiary a number of years ago. And I remember when I, Prayed with him, he looked up and he was having what we call a shirt sleeve revival. He was weeping, laughing, tears were coming down his face, and he was wiping his nose with his shirt sleeve. We call it a shirt sleeve revival in the prison sometimes. And he was gloriously saved. He looked up and he said, Preacher, I just want to give you this word. He said, I just got saved and gave my life to Jesus Christ. And he said, I just got saved out of 10 generations of witchcraft. I said ten years. He said no, ten generations of witchcraft. And Roger was converted to Christ, but he struggled with his salvation from time to time. I remember one time he backslid, and he sent me. He was a tremendous artist. In fact, there's a lot of wasted talent behind prison bars, unfortunately. And some of them have a lot of talent; they don't even know they have till they get into prison. And he sent me an envelope one time. Because I was after him to rededicate his life to the Lord, and he sent me an envelope with a bullet that had a revolver on it, or the gun on it had a revolver, and I looked at it and I thought well, that don't have any bullets in it. So I sent it back to him and I said, Roger, you forgot to put the bullets in the chamber. Wrong thing to do. I was young and foolish in those days. When I got it back, it had bullets in the chamber, a casket, I was in it, and a whole lot more to go with it. <laughs> Thank God he rededicated his life to the Lord some time later. But he constantly doubted his salvation and what God was doing in his life. May I say to you, my friend, we can have confidence in God, confidence in our salvation, confidence in our calling, confidence in that which the Lord has led us to do, we have confidence because in Hebrews 13, five of God's divine presence. In Genesis 15, one, God's divine protection. We have God's divine power, God's divine provisions, God's leading, God's purpose in our life, the God's rest, come, in, uh, come unto me, all you that labor and a heavy laden, and I will give you rest tonight. Don't cast off your confidence, God's goodness to us. And then I'm gonna give you the third thing tonight very quickly. In our text, we find from verse 25 through verse number 30, as we mentioned earlier, the church. In verse number 25, he begins by saying that we're not to uh, forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is. My friend, today we find that when Christians get anemic and when Christians begin to lose their confidence, one of the first things they cast off is prayer. Secondly, they cast off their confidence in God. Thirdly, And sadly, they cast off their confidence in the local church. They forsake the assembling to gather with God's people. Now, obviously, not you, you're here tonight. But that's what happens when confidence is shaken to the very core of an individual. The Bible tells us in, in verse number 25, they forsook the house of God. In verse number 26, they willfully sinned. In verse number 29, they despised the church, Christ's blood and grace. In verse number 30 and 31, God said, I would bring judgment on the people of God. And listen to me tonight, and I mean it with all sincerity, but I say with all authority of the word of God. When we disrespect the church and we discard the blood of Christ and we make havoc of the grace of God, you mark marked it God's going to bring his judgment tonight. It doesn't matter if it's in America or another country or if it's me or any other person. God will not take lightly those who trample on his church and the shed blood of Christ. We must endure with confidence. Verse number 32 through 34. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 32. He says, but call to remembrance the former days. When you get discouraged and ready to cast off your confidence, think back on what God's done for you. Think of how the Lord's delivered you. Think of how God has taken care of you and how God's met your every need. I remember one time we were chaplains at the Wyoming State Penitentiary, missionary chaplains. And I'll be honest with you, it's only happened a couple of times. Even today as the president of the Rock of Ages, and I uh, cautiously say this, uh, we don't have all of our support we just go out and trust God and the offerings we get in our meetings carry the majority of our uh, living expenses and the ministry. But you know the Lord knows the need and he never fails. And while one time we were running about three months behind on some of our bills and I called our uh, creditors and I said to them, I, I'm sorry, but I just don't have the resources. Things are slim right now, but I promise you I'll pay them. And every one of them said, Mr. Ellis, We've never had anyone call and tell us uh, what you've told us. And so we're going to be patient with you and give you time. And we needed $1,500. And I remember uh, we were praying and begging. I and the kids ran to Victoria begging God. And I never thought about quitting, but I did ask myself a time or two, you big dummy, you're from Georgia. What are you doing in Wyoming without living expenses? In the snow and the cold and the blistering winds that you have. And so we're praying and begged God for the resources. We got home from a meeting and a pastor called and said, Brother Ellis, you've got some mail here at the church. You might want to come pick it up. Went over to the church and we've been begging God for $1,500. That's what we needed. Got to the church and there was one or two letters from a church. I opened them up and began to look at them in one church. I said, sorry to inform you. I got a, what we call in missionaries a Dear John letter. That means you're usually going to drop your support. And I got a Dear John letter. Thank God it wasn't from Mrs. Ellis. (laughs) And when I opened it up on the second page, a check fell out of my lap. And the check is for $1,499.97, three pennies shy of what we were praying for. The church had closed and merged with another church that it had split out of, which rarely happens. And they liquidated all the resources and everything they had and they divided it evenly among the missionaries. Well, I wasn't praying for God to close the church down, but that's the way he chose to supply our needs. I got home and Peggy said, do you have anything in the mail? I said, not much. I wanted to see her reaction. I laid it on the table. I said, we didn't get a check from a supporting church. She opened it up and grabbed a heart and about passed out. You say, but wait a minute, you're just praying for $1,500 and you only got $1,499.97. But I tell you tonight, God had provided our needs because I had three pennies exactly in my pocket and God had supplied every single need. I'm saying to you tonight, we have no reason to cast off the confidence of God. He's seen us through thus far. He'll see us through to the end. God's never failed. Why should I cast off my confidence and throw it off? Look back on the past and see how God has worked. The great things God hath done. How about it tonight? He is worthy tonight. Bless his holy name. Many times we've left with just enough gas money to get out of the city limits. And come home with more than we left for. That's God. Enduring yes. with confidence, verse 34, 32 through 34. And first he says, remember, call to remembrance. Look back on how God's provided. I've gone too far. I remember our pastor out in Oregon one time, he said he got so discouraged, he said, Lord, I'm just going to quit. I'm tired of passing the people uh, that was giving him a fit at that time. and he had all kind of things he was struggling with, with the church and ministry, and he said, God, I'm going to quit. He said, it seemed like the Lord said to me, okay, Rick, you're going to quit, then quit. But I'll tell you what you're going to do first. You're going to go back to every one of those bus kids you picked up over these last uh, 20 years, and you're going to go back and apologize to them and tell them that everything you preached to them and told them was not right. It was all a lie. He said, in fact, you're gonna go back and tell all the people in that church that was saved under your ministry that it was all a lie and you didn't believe it. And you go back and tell all those families that were reconciled and put back together that uh, you were wrong the whole time. He said, by the time the Lord got done with me, he said, Lord, I'm just a kid. Can't you take a joke? (laughs) Look back over the good things God has done. It's an honor to be able to fight the battles for the Lord. Remember our heritage. Notice what he says in this passage of Scripture in verse number 32, and I've got to quit. But call to remembrance the former days in which after, watch this, you were illuminated, you endeared a great fight of affliction. And then notice what he says. Partially while you were made a gaze and stalk, notice the pressure they were under. Both by reproaches and afflictions and partially why you became companions. Notice he had some companions in this thing of them that were so used. You know what he's saying? You're not alone. He's been better men than you, got discouraged along the way. Better women than you, got discouraged along the way. You're not alone. You have companions. You have some of them, those that travel along. Brethren, in Philippians three seventeen, Paul said, Brethren, be ye followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. And tonight, I must make preparations for closing, but I was studying that word example some years ago. We always think of it as an example. Someone has been a great example to me. That's example. The Bible uses the word example, and there's a difference. You see, to be an example means that you have made an indelible mark or an impression on someone's life. An example is something or someone that you follow after their ways. And there's good examples and there's bad examples. But an example makes an indelible mark on an individual. When they run those, that rolls of metal through the stamp and dies in the prisons, which makes most of the tags for the states. It comes down and it strikes that metal and leaves an impression, an indentation on those tags or that metal, and that's example exactly what example means in the Bible. We have had a life-changing impact on our life, and we need to understand when we get discouraged we lose our confidence, remember the example. Remember our pastor. Remember the evangelists. Remember the deacons. Remember the choir. Remember our friends and our families and those that have stood strong through the test of time. Those who left an indelible mark on our lives. And if we'll do that, we will not lose our confidence. How can we finish with patience in verse number 36? To do the will of God in verse number 36 and holding to the promises of God. In verse 37, doing God's will all the time, all the ways, living by faith. I want to say this tonight and then we'll come to the instruments, I'm done. In Rwanda, when the rebels attacked a village, they were killing men, women, boys, and girls. In fact, I remember my first trip into Uganda. It was just after Entebbe and Obote; Those two dictators had been removed from power. We went through village after village after village and had been entirely annihilated. They would go in. I don't want to get too graphic tonight, but I'll tell enough so that you know the depth of the depravity. They would go in and kill entire villages and tribes. They literally annihilated from the planet Earth entire tribes of people. They would decapitate them and line their heads on sticks on the road for miles. They threw so many dead bodies into the um, Lake Victoria, which is the source of the Nile River, that it literally dammed up the source of the Nile River, and it began to recede. They had gone into Rwanda, and attacked the villages and killed men, women, boys, and girls. There was a group that came in that were trying to get the survivors and get them to help. In the back of the massive trucks, there was one loaded with children, and there was one little girl, barely above talking age, and she sat with a little makeshift doll in her hands, rocking back and forth, whispering under her breath. One of them walked up to her and tried to strike up a conversation and she wouldn't talk. But he noticed she was whispering some lyrics to a song that sounded familiar. And as he got closer, he began to realize, softly under her breath, she was singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Thank God, in spite of the worst circumstances of life, we can be reminded Jesus loves us. Her parents have been killed. Her siblings have been killed. All she had on earth was a ragtag tag baby doll and a Savior that she sang about. We have no reason to lose our confidence tonight. Our fathers, we bow before you. I pray now your blessings upon the invitation time. Help us tonight not to cast off our confidence in prayer, our confidence in the church. God, help us to keep our confidence in you. I pray tonight that you may help us to honor you with our lives and all of our fiber and all of our being. There may be someone here tonight who's ready to throw in the towel and quit and just walk away. Others that have slacked on their prayer and their life and they may not be discouraged tonight and ready to quit, but they're headed down that path. So I pray that you'll move tonight, have you willing way in this invitation. May you get all the glory and the praise and honor. Renew burdens for family members that are lost tonight. We ask in Christ's name. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Folks are coming tonight. Why don't you come tonight and strengthen your confidence in the Lord. As Brother Cape leads us in the song.